This is Connie. And this is Janice. And you're listening to But Where Are You Really From on 89.1 FM WNYU. In our show, we'll discuss the issues facing Asian Americans as individuals who experience injustice but also perpetuate it. Welcome back to our show for the second part in our two-part episode on microaggressions. So this week, to bring in a non-Asian perspective, but also from another person of color, we've invited one of my friends from school, Sarah Ann, who's just going to be sharing a little bit of her experience. Yeah, and it was a really fun conversation to have. I'm really excited for you all to listen to it. And without further ado, roll the tape. So we're so excited that you're here, Sarianne. We would like for you to just tell the people <laughs> a little bit about yourself. Okay, cool. So my name is Sarianne. I'm a master's student at NYU um, studying music technology. And um, I currently work at the NYU LGBTQ Student Center um, doing like event programming there. So that's really fun. I'm a musician. That's pretty much me. Okay, yeah, so you know what time it is now. It's time for a fun fact. Fun facts. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> this week, our fun fact is just going to be centered around our names, if they carry any, like, story or significance to us. So, my Chinese name, given by my parents, is Yan Lin, and it means, I think, beautiful gem, something mm -hmm. like that, which is cute. And one of the characters in my Chinese name is also shared by my cousin. And my English name, which is Constance, my dad just wanted to pick a name that was longer than Lee, because Lee is a very short <laughs> last name. That's literally what he said. <laughs> Why don't you share, Janice? So my Korean name is Chuyang, which we spent 30 minutes last night trying to figure out what it means, because Korean names often correspond to Chinese characters as well. And so there is like a meaning behind it. Turns out it means, what was it? Considerate flower. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, all of my cousins share a character. And so all of the girls share Chu and all of the guys share Tong. And yeah, it's like a very familial thing. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I guess I'll go. So my name is Sarianne. It doesn't have any special meaning as far as I know, at least. Yeah. I was basically, I was named after my, one of my dad's sisters or like kind of sisters, someone that he took as a sister. So my family's from West Africa um, as some context, I guess. And then my middle name is um, Mabinti. So it's named after my other aunt. My name doesn't really have much like linguistic significance that I can think of but like to me my name is very important and like I that's something that's like always been instilled by my parents of like your name is important and how people call mm -hmm. you is important and so like I'm very particular about how people pronounce it and like mm -hmm. um because I think it's a very beautiful name so yeah that's a little bit about Sarah Ann. Thanks for sharing no that was so nice. <laughs> so our episode this week is about microaggressions and part two. Yeah. The reason why we invited Sarianne to our show this week is just so that we can have another perspective to help us unpack what microaggressions are like for people of color. And yeah, we felt that Sarianne would, you know, give her good two cents yeah. on everything. 
I can just jump in if you want. Go for it. Yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, we talked a little bit earlier about like how I'm none of us are the spokesperson, spokesperson for like mm. our um race. Um, so I'm a black person, my family's West African. Just jumping into microaggressions, like for me, like they're just something that I've dealt with my entire life, like no matter what. And it's something that was so like common that like for a while I didn't even like I was like, oh, this thing makes me uncomfortable, but I don't understand why. Or like, oh, I guess it's just like what people are going to say to me or how people are going to treat me. So I'm just going to like ignore it or get used to it. Yeah, some common microaggressions that I'll get, like, especially when I was younger, was like, oh, like you talk like you speak really well, like you're very articulate. (laughs) Like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm like, okay, um, all right. I was born here because like even like my siblings will say like my like oldest sister who's like a lot older than me she'll be like oh my god you sound like a becky like those kinds of things but there's other stuff like how i look people are like oh you're from somewhere like where are you from like oh my god yeah and i'm like hello i'm from from i'm from new york like Like, of course you're from somewhere yeah (laughs) so i'm just like where are you from um i was in the van store and like this other guy who like is african like african people can tell each other anywhere but like He's like, oh, like, where are you from? You're from somewhere. And for me, it's, like, kind of weird because I'm, like, I'm not straight from, like, West Africa, Mm -hmm. but, like, my family is. So it's just, like, a weird thing of, like, am I offended by this? Or, like, it just, like, makes me uncomfortable. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. like dealing with that. Going on down the list because there's so many. (laughs) um, Definitely stuff about, like, hair, like, especially... I would constantly get these things of like, oh my God, like when I f- like first started going natural and like wearing my hair out, I used to have like a little afro. People would be like, oh my God, like can I touch your hair? Or like when I had braids, like grabbing my hair and literally like not even asking me about it, just like grabbing my hair and touching it. So there were like things like that. But like all those like little violations are always like, oh, like I didn't mean it. Or like, mm. I'm just like curious because like it's so different. Like, oh my God. Yeah, like even just like being a black woman dating like you get so many crazy weird microaggressions like mm. someone didn't believe me like when we were like at dinner somewhere and like this guy was addressing every other woman at the table as like honey or like babe or whatever which is like already kind of like weird mm-hmm. but then he got to me me being the only fat black woman at the table and he calls me mama and like what? that like seriously like and like he did that and like after he left i was like y'all like he just called me mama and everyone was like, oh, my God, like, that's no big deal. And I'm like, no, it's because I'm a fat black woman. And, like, people don't understand that kind of thing. And so, like, on dating sites and stuff like that, like, I'll get things like, oh, hey, mama. Or, like, things like, things just, like, related to how I look. Like, oh, my God, like, you're so exotic. Like, all those kinds yeah. of weird things. So, like, I can go on forever. Like, I deal with mm. it every day. So last week when we were talking just about how microaggressions come across to us as East Asian people. Mm-hmm. It just makes us feel like we're still not seen as Americans, even though we were born here, like we have citizenship, we mm-hmm. speak the language. So just wanted to ask you what the predominant feeling is for you. Cool. Yeah, for me, uh, when microaggressions happen, it kind of reinforces the idea that like I'm other and I'm not like normal. I feel like it kind of places me in this hierarchy of, like, I'm less than other people. Like, my personal boundaries and my personal space and, like, the respect that you should have for me is held to, like, a lesser standard Mm -hmm. or is not as important as, like, 
the way we should be treating white people. And then it always like situates whiteness as the default, which I think like y'all can probably relate to. <laughs> like it's like, um, oh, like you're not American enough or you're different. It's just like a complete lack of respect for like me and my agency and like who I am in the world. I found it interesting when you were talking about your sisters commenting on the way you speak too, mm-hmm. um, because I think about like code switching a lot and I wonder if mm-hmm. you do that. Yeah, I think code switching is definitely a thing for me. There's certain ways and certain things that I feel like I can say in front of like people of color or black people as opposed to like in front of white people. So that's a thing. But like, I think when it comes to like me and my sisters, like sometimes, at least for my older sister, like that code switch might not be like strong enough or like it's still to her. There's still something that's like weird there. We are very different. Like we're like 14 years apart. Mm -hmm. So like especially like you can probably hear now like I have a lot of vocal fry in my voice and she's like oh my god like you sound like a Becky you sound like a valley girl and for me like the reason why that really hurts is just because like I heard that from like white people and like from other people when I was younger so it still makes me feel like I'm like where do I belong like Mm -hmm. I just feel like very othered and that kind of goes into like experiencing microaggressions from other people of color it's kind of an interesting thing because like for me, I take it more so as, like, kind of a moment to teach when it's another person of color or something like that. But especially when it comes from, like, within your own family, there's a lot of things like colorism and, like, like my mom would always be like, oh, like, you should lighten your skin. Like, you'll be, like, prettier. Or, like, oh, like, why aren't you wearing earrings today? Like, you look like a boy. And I'm like, what does that mean? She's like, no, you just look like a boy. And I'm like, so you're saying I look ugly? And she's like, no, I just don't want you to look like a man. And I'm like, so you're saying I'm ugly? So, like, those kinds of things, like, that, like, I'm, like, I'm trying to dig and, like, trying to get them to, like, interrogate right. those kinds of ideas. So when microaggressions come from other people of color, it's kind of, like, it's like, what the heck? But also, <laughs> but also I feel like there's more of a chance to, like, have a conversation about those things. And I think it's a little bit more worth it, to me at least. I honestly have never thought of it that way. Mm. I always just got the annoyed part down. Yeah. <laughs> I never felt like, oh, yeah, like, I should correct you because hopefully there's more overlap in understanding mm-hmm. based on our experiences as people of color. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. But also, like, sometimes I think about it, I'm like, do I not want to confront white people because I have this idea mm. of, like, not wanting to engage in conflict with white people or not challenging them. Mm. But, like, I feel like, for me, for some reason, I just feel like there's more hope yeah. and value <laughs> and like understanding and yeah. like yeah overlap and experience to kind of make progress rather yeah. than trying I to... mean it's a good start yeah for yeah. sure <laughs> we're all <laughs> racist <laughs> yes <laughs> actually though we need healing yeah mm. it's a process oh this is like the hardest part it, it's hard because you don't want to seem like you're a bad person mm-hmm. right but like in reality, I think everyone, we've all been learning, like, the kind of same mindsets. And, like, I think it's important to be able to, like, express and name the things that you think right. and the things that you're working on. Because, mm-hmm. like, if no one talks about how they're, like, ever, like, think something that's, like, not okay, then everyone's going to, I don't know, it's going to put up this air of, like, oh, like, everyone's perfect. And, like, I'm the only person who thinks terrible things about some people sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and it also helps with, like, the shame that I feel. I feel like I've been lucky and not not lucky, but um, many situations in which I've microaggressed other people have been corrected through just hindsight. Mm -hmm. What I will share in my confession is (laughs) um, 
asking to touch my black red's hair when we were like in kindergarten it's just i look back on it and i just feel so bad like i wonder if that carried over into her like life now mm-hmm. i'm not sure what she's doing now but she's probably like connie <laughs> i know connie <laughs> the first person yeah <laughs> but yeah um that one was a difficult one to learn because I kept trying to justify myself because I was young or just because I, I didn't know and I was ignorant. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll not do that yeah. in the future. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So that's me. <laughs> Among um, many others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for me, man, it sounds so hypocritical when you like put it this way. <laughs> uh, so there's like a lot of times where I would just question where someone's from not i wouldn't say it out loud though i see myself being like that towards like other asian people mm-hmm. too I'm just like ah you don't speak english or, like mm-hmm. oh you don't look like you're from the states or whatever i'm just like that's the same thing people do to me yeah and here i am doing it to other people uh that's that's weird that's hard yeah i mean it kind of speaks to how prevalent and like ingrained these things are within like our society and like things that we've been taught yeah um so yeah i will add on to that and say like i i would say pretty often like i will assume that someone doesn't speak english just by looking at them be like oh no no no, like they probably don't speak english or they don't speak english well and that's something that i always like catch myself on and just like thinking like where that idea comes from just because like they're not white like and it's also kind of the same thing of, like, feeling a little hypocritical because, like, that's the same thing that, like, I get or, like, my family gets. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I don't know. I think it's really important to, like, kind of interrogate those things and, right. like, even thinking of stuff from when we were really younger. Because I used to do a lot. I used to say a lot of dumb stuff when I was young. And, like, for me, I'm like, oh, I was, like, young and stupid, kind of like how Connie was saying. But, like, I think it's important not to, like, get complacent and be like, oh, well, I'm not like that now. But, like, what do you do mm-hmm. now, you mm-hmm. know? Because those are the things that are really going to hurt to, like, dig up. That's Mm -hmm. a good, like, jumping off point for, like, allyship. Oh, yeah. The application part. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, not being complacent and, like, actively trying to be a better ally, like, all the time. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm sure I'm going to mess up again many times. What do you think allyship to you might look like? So for me personally, like, I think allyship should look like consistently like doing the work, you know, because like, I think the people who are being hurt by like microaggressions and any kind of like racism, whether it's like interpersonal or like um, really deep ingrained systemic things is like, they're constantly doing the work to just deal and live with that. And like, mm-hmm. more they have to do, we have to do more work on top of that to kind of try and undo it. So I think at the very least as an ally, like, consistently like kind of interrogating your thoughts and like being very intentional about like working to get to a place where you're at better understanding of like the people you interact with and then going off um the people that you're interacting with is like holding other people around you accountable like yeah I just like I know a lot of people who are like oh like I'm not like that or like I'm not racist or I don't say x y and z while your friends are walking around like saying all this crazy Mm. mess (laughs) um (laughs) saying all this crazy stuff like about like black people or like gays or like whatever like that that like causes like some cognitive dissonance right there it's like 
oh, like, so you're not like this and you don't accept these things for yourself, but you allow the people who you keep around you to mm-hmm. perpetuate those same kind of, like, ideas that are not okay. Um, so I think those are two really big things in allyship, just, like, being open to constantly learn and then also holding others around you accountable. And then I think the last, if I wanted to, like, condense it to three things, mm-hmm. I would say, like, a big thing is just, like, showing up for people, like, I know a lot of people who all say like, oh my God, like this thing happened to me. And like, I thought that was like that, like that action or whatever someone did to me was like racist or I thought that was a microaggression. And like a lot of people who are not black will be like, oh no, I don't think it was that. Like, hmm, no, it's not that bad. Like um, they'll like immediately like minimize it and be like, oh no. Cause like racist is like the N word for white people. Like they're like, oh my God, don't say it. Um, <laughs> Like, that stuff makes me so mad. Like, if you call a white person racist, they will lose it. Like, if I say cracker, they're like, oh, it's dumb. But if I say racist, they will lose their minds. So it's like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. So I think, like, just, like, showing up for people and, like, being like, okay, this thing happened to you. Like, tell me. Or if you're able, like, mm. tell me, like, what was wrong. And, like, don't question me on it, you know? Because, like, it's like we've been living this experience our whole lives. So if I say something's racist or if something felt a type of way, like, I know from my experience, like, that that thing is what it is. (laughs) So, like, just believing people of color and, like, this goes for outside of race even, like, people of color, like, your LGBTQ, like, family, um, plus family, you know, Um, just believing them and showing up for them and being able to stand up and stand in for them um, Mm -hmm. when they need it. Because, like, there's so many situations where I'll just feel, like, alone like, I kind of feel gaslighted because I'm like, oh, was that racist? Like, those kinds of things. I don't know. Just being a support can, I don't know, is really helpful. I second that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Retweet. That's so true. Like, an affirmation goes such a long way. Yeah. I would say that's my allyship in three things, in three <laughs> bullet points. That was so concise. <laughs> I tried. This was such a good conversation. It's such a shame that you know, we don't have unlimited time to talk <laughs> about this, but thank you so much, Sarianne, for coming out and recording with us and talking no to us. Yeah, no, this was super fun. Definitely know. Let me know if you like want me to ramble again because I can do that. We will. You're amazing. <laughs> I love you, love y'all. I love you. <laughs> so that was our conversation. Just want to thank Sarianne one more time. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're so grateful. So yeah, we're going to have a lot more episodes like these with guests just sharing their own experiences and perspectives. So with that, see you next week. Thanks for listening. Be kind to one another. This was But Where Are You Really From on 89.1 FM WNYU.